Well, happy new year, Happy listeners. new year. It's 2022. We're here. We we're, made it. We're ready to read the Bible together. All the cliches. All the cliches for the happy new year stuff. Hopefully you put a new resolution out to read your Bible more consistently. What are the other cliches for New Year's? I'm a huge, um, I'm a huge Ebenezer Scrooge when it comes to New Year's because it's just, it is easily, I mean, that and Halloween are like my two least favorite of what I would call the major holidays, if that makes sense. Because, yeah. you know, like, like Labor Day, no one cares. That's not, I mean, it's a real holiday, but it's, <laughs> No yeah. one cares. Like, no one. You just offended someone. No one's like looking forward to Labor yeah. Day as like a day. But like for New Year's, I feel like it's a big deal every year. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know. If I was in bed by ten, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. It'd be. Did just, you make it to bed by ten this year? No. La- sorry, last year. I actually really like New Year's, so we. I stay up for the clock, but oh, not the clock, the the ball drop in New York thing. So, Got it. But anyway, we watched the ball drop at ten. I think there you go. So you watched the oh, that's was that Central Time? Yeah. Yeah. So whatever it was, but it was it was showing on like one of the like the channels that no one ever watches. And so I sat with my kids and we, so we went to bed about 1130. It was brilliant. But anyways. Then we heard the fireworks. So then we woke up. Listeners, you probably didn't turn in, tune into this to listen to our thoughts on New Year's. Uh, We are beginning our new season. This is season four of Let's Read the Bible. So pretty nuts there. Thanks for sticking with us. And we are starting with a, uh, we're starting a new Bible plan. So if you've never listened before, if this is your first time, first off, welcome. welcome. Hey. Glad you're here. Uh, what we do is every year we read through the entire Bible, and then there's a Bible plan that we all follow along with, and then me and Aaron are going to talk about it, kind of overview different things that we're reading about, overview different books that we're launching yeah. into. Uh, last year, we really focused on hitting one book or one topic specifically that is kind of going on in the yeah. reading plan. This year, with the reading plan that we're using, we're actually going to be mostly just following along and kind of talking about more in-depth, specifically what happened in that week. So this week, or this episode will be a little bit different because we're recapping. Yeah, the last week and and then then setting up the next week. Yep. And we're looking forward to what's coming up this week of reading. But then after that, all it's going to be is looking forward to what's coming up, kind of picking it apart a little bit, helping you read the Bible. So One of the things that isn't changing from last year to this year is uh, we are still going to take questions and we would love for you to send us in those questions. Um, And if if you're a veteran listener, a seasoned listener of the podcast, you know my spiel as far as sending them in two ways. One via email at infogrove.church. That's the email address you can send it to. The other one is uh, you can direct direct message our Facebook page. We still have it. Uh, We are the Grove Church in Washington State. We'd love for you to send us there. Uh, We are going to take questions as much as we can week over week uh, because we value your engagement uh, and your interest as well. So, And to be clear, these questions don't have to be specifically about what is in the Bible plan. It's just any, you know, biblical Topic. Even some non-biblical questions, if you throw what? them in there, we might answer what? them. Uh, and the final thing before we get started today is if you want to follow along and read the Bible together, the reading plan this year is on the Version Bible app, and it's called Let's Read the Bible Together, yes. which was which was unintentional, but I love the way that worked out. Yes. And it's a, it's actually going to be a month over month. So every month you'd subscribe to the next month's reading plan, right. just so you know. So it's not one-time subscription, it's... Every month you're subscribing to a new plan. And the reason why we did it as a church is because it helps. We just thought it would be help people have an easy on, easy off uh, access. Because sometimes you're reading the Bible. If you get a couple of days behind, 
it's it's hard to get to, to build momentum again because you have 12 chapters to read sometimes right so rather than this way just again we're just trying to create uh strategically a way for everybody to read with us throughout the year so if you have a bad february you can get back on the saddle in renew march. in march it yeah. works out uh so yeah there you go if you don't have the uversion bible app you can also go to our website grove.church under media click on bible reading plan and then it actually has it listed out right there as well Hola. so there you go all right well with all that being said Enough dancing around the subject, listeners. Let's Ooh. dive right in. This week, or these two weeks in yes. the Bible reading plan, we have... So this is going through... This is launching Sunday, January 9th, which means we're going through the readings on January 16th, I yes. believe, is the, if I if I know how to add 9 plus 7 correctly. That is how... That is the day that we'd be doing this. Uh, so we're going to be reading through the entire Gospel of Luke, the entire book of Daniel, and then we will have started the book of Acts, and the book of Genesis. Okay, quick quick clarifier. The ninth is the middle point. So we're recapping the first of the year to the ninth, Correct. which would be Luke and Daniel. And then we're jumping into the ninth through the 16th. Which is, yeah. Yes. Okay. So the way the way you said it, I thought you were talking uh, about, we're going to this past this. I'm like, no, no, no. We're, it's the middle point is the ninth. So, to the 16th. Anyway, so yeah. So we're, we're still hitting all of Daniel, all of Luke. We're introing D- Genesis and introing Acts. All right. So let's talk about Luke. The book of Luke. Luke's doc, a, Dr. Luke. Luke's a good guy. Medical physician Luke. That's not what you call them, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> nope. Anyway, all right. So the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles are two volumes of the same work written by Luke for a man named Theophilus. So at the very beginning of both books, you get this kind of introduction. Uh, and Luke is telling people why he's wrote, writing it. So in Luke chapter one, we read, "...inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word uh, have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may cert- have certainty regarding the things that you have been taught." So. We don't know really anything about Theophilus. We just know that, I mean, he's probably wealthy. And the way that Luke is writing, it seems more than likely that Theophilus is financing some of this uh, information gathering and writing that's going on. And Luke, of, of all of the Gospels, Luke has the most academic feel to it. And so, and I do love how all of the all of the different gospels have their own style. So you really get to see the same story play out, but you see it from different perspectives. So you know, for instance, Mark, we think that it's mostly based off of the teaching with Peter, the teachings of Peter. But it's a very quick hit. It's the shortest gospel. It's kind of just giving you the information and getting out. Matthew is very much written to the Jews, and you get this whole idea of basically he is showing how Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, John is the most personal of the Gospels. It's written with a lot of things that probably only John was there to see, and because John and Jesus were were close relationally like that. And then Luke is really a Luke was not there for the ministry of Jesus, at least as far as we know. But there's nothing to suggest that he was there. Um, and so what this is, is it's a compilation of some sources, which is what he talks about, right? When he says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. So there's other people who have already written down uh, what Jesus did. And these could be referring to the other gospels, and it could also be referring to just other works that we don't have. So probably it probably wouldn't be referring to John, because usually that's dated pretty late, but it could be referring to, does Luke have... Matthew and Mark, is he working off of those and then also have these different sources? And he's also interviewing eyewitnesses. And so it's one of the, I always forget, 
I should write it down. I always forget where it is, but there's the famous passage of Paul where he's like, hey, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. And if you don't believe me, here's people you can go ask. Or like, you, I think it was Simon, the man who carried Jesus' cross. He references that he has two sons and they're around here. Like he, he he's bringing up people who like saw Jesus' ministry. These are people that Luke is probably talking to. Um, other things, fun fact about Luke, he makes up 28% of the New Testament are written by Luke, so which is the highest percentage, um, I would say by far, but I think Paul is like 24%. And then, yeah, it's close. So, but, but other than that, those two are the top. Oh, yeah. And then you got basically it's the gospel writers. I think John is, John is next at like 18%, and then it's the gospel writers and the letters and stuff like that. So, Luke, you know, he's the little engine that could, the little medical doctor that could, <laughs> if you will, making up over a quarter of all of the New Testament. Uh, he's also one of the most educated biblical authors, period, not just the New Testament, um, because he is, like we've said a, a few times now, he's a medical doctor. So he had a pretty good education as far as that goes. And then it's commented pretty often that when we read Luke, we're reading someone who has a very a very good understanding of the Greek language, how to write in it, how to sound essentially intelligent. So his gospel reads very, very professionally, very academically. And then finally, it's kind of – it's one of those interesting books because I don't think it needs a ton of introduction because it is a pretty easy read. It's mostly narrative. It's just telling you things that have happened. So as you're reading through Luke, I would say just remember that he's writing to a Gentile audience. So what he's doing is he's taking a lot of Jewish history and he's explaining it to Greeks mm -hmm. or to other people, to Romans, to anyone who's going to be reading this. And so – for us today, I would say that Luke and John are the two easiest gospels to read because Luke is written specifically for yeah. us who don't have like a full understanding of Jewish culture. And then John kind of has all of those personal stories that make it that make Jesus a little bit more real as well. So there you go. That's the gospel of Luke as we read through it. Have a good time. Enjoy it. I love starting off the year with a with a gospel to read because it's just a good it's a good deal. Yeah, and it's funny because we start off the, the the year also reading through the book of Daniel, which is uh, for half the book, it's really fun to read because there's a lot of narrative to it. And so um, I, I'm going to say this and you'll probably hear me say it again at the end, um, but we uh, we did a very, we did a really strategic deep dive through the book of Daniel last year. Um, and, and I actually think it was one of the, the highest downloaded podcasts of the year. It, I think it is. It was the highest downloaded uh, Which is really rad. And so I, I want to, before I kind of give you a very quick intro to Daniel, because I'm just going to give you an overview, because I know we did this deep dive last year. Um, I'd love for you to go back and read it, because at the time this podcast has dropped, you I believe we're starting to have read chapter nine, which means you're already in the most complicated portion of the book of Daniel. Uh, and so it's not a bad idea to go back and kind of re-listen re re to that refresher, especially about the prophetic literature, because it's, it's where this thing takes an abrupt turn. So it is really quick for our listeners. It is episode 128. Yes. So June 20th. Perfect. So I would love for you to jump in uh, and just be refreshed or, you know, kind of have a refresher as far as what the book of Daniel really entails. Um, but if this is the first time you're reading, it's just to kind of give you kind of the quick intro uh, and the refresher for us this year regarding Daniel, just to give us the overview. Um, he, it's written by the prophet Daniel. Go figure, because his name is written after him or titled after his name. Classic so, name. Um, and it's it's written in the 6th century BC uh, during the time of exile where the Israelites were captured and brought to the Babylonian Empire. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, quick side note, there's multiple Nebuchadnezzars uh, throughout the story of Daniel. Um, and... But he's the the king, the emperor uh, for the empire of Babylon. 
Uh, and you'll see a lot of interactions with Daniel specifically regarding um, th this this interaction with Nebuchadnezzar and the king and all of this uh, that reality. So uh, the central theme, which I think is important to remember when you're we're reading these books, is just the idea of God's sovereignty over history as well as empires. There's a lot that goes on in this 12-chapter book uh, that is really uh, kind of central, uh, centrally anchored to, anchored to the theme of God's sovereignty uh, over history, but also over empires too. Uh, you'll see it breaking down into two easy sections. One is narrative, one is prophetic literature. Uh, the narrative is the fun part. This is where as a kid growing up in church, I remember these stories throughout uh, the Old Testament difference. Um, this is where you get people or get that golden image in the fiery furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, which isn't their actual Hebrew names. It's their uh, Babylonian, Babylonian names. It's Hananiah. Mishael. Michelle and, wow, and Azariah. That's what it is. Um, you don't. You know so much about Daniel. Listen, I, Daniel's one. I, it's a quick side note. Like Daniel's probably one of my favorite Old Testament prophetic books. Is it your Job? No, it's not my Job because I didn't spend a year plus in Job or Daniel. Um, but I, Isaiah, like I've I've done a, a really strategic read uh, of these with one specific commentary uh, that I reference all the time. But um, Daniel's one of those books that I think has really. It was really just kind of eye-opening and fun to read. So you can um, you can plug the. I mean, it's preaching, well, it's preaching the, word. the word commentary. Yeah. Set. It's 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 the commentary that I love. Um, Listener, if as you read Daniel, you think maybe I want to dive a little bit more into it, we would recommend the yes. preaching the word commentary. Yeah, and or jumping into the podcast from last year too, because sure. that that is also referenced um, many times over. So um, narrative, you get this very launch and very start of um, the the book of Daniel. He's the Israelites are cap bringing captive. They're bringing uh, the Israelite people, select people from Israel to Babylon, uh, and Daniel becomes part of the king's elect to be uh, rulers and, and, you know, the wisdom people. Uh, I don't remember the word. Why can't I remember the word? Um, not seers. Anyways. Sat um, no, satraps, like they're rulers. In essence, they have high place of authority among uh, God's people in, in Babylon. Um, and then we just see this really stark picture. And I think this is probably one of the most important pieces to me for the book of Daniel. Uh, we just see his faithfulness. And there's this tension in this moment where Daniel is chosen along with his friends, um, Mishael, uh, Azariah, and um, Hananiah. Hananiah that's you. the one I remember. I know, right? And I'm like, that's why I couldn't remember it. Um, but it says this in Jan Daniel chapter 8, verses 20. Uh, I want to read this. This is in uh, the CSB because that's my version to read. Uh, it says, Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food and with the wine he drinks. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. So quick context, he's he's pulled aside and the king is giving them food and meat and different things to eat. And Daniel, who is uh, faithful to God, Jehovah, Yahweh, uh, he's faithful. He doesn't want to defile himself with this thing because that meat is, and the food that's been given is often is attributed to being sacrificed to idols. The king's elect gets to eat the choice meat. And so he said, hey, we're not going to do that. Uh, and so it says, verse nine, God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who assigned you food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner and the other young men, your, uh, then the other young men, your age, you would endanger my life with the king. So Daniel said to the guard, the chief eunuch and had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Long story short, he's just asked for vegetables and, and water. This is where we get the Daniel fast, by the way. Um, but this is, he just says, test us for 10 days. He comes back, the chief eunuch, 10 days later and realizes you actually look healthier and better than the king's, than the other men who are eating the king's choice food. The, the eunuch approves him, gives him, uh, allows him to do it. They gain favor because they're faithful to God. 
Uh, and then we say, pick it up in verse 17. It says, God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. Uh, and so this just kind of sets up the entire story and the entire narrative side and really the book of Daniel. But just you see this tension and this this beautiful picture of Daniel's faithfulness and Mishael and Hananiah and Azariah's faithfulness to, to be obedient to God first. Um, God elevated them. God used them as uh, rulers and advisors in the Babylonian Empire. And, and so you just see this whole thing being set up in motion. This is where you get different stories like uh, Lion's Den, the writing on the wall, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's interpretation of the dream. And then Nebuchadnezzar has another dream and Daniel interprets that one. And Nebuchadnezzar is cast out to become a wild animal because it's what the dream prophesied. It's where we get one of the coolest lines of the Bible, which is, you have been weighed, measured and found wanting. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's chills. Evan, yeah. <laughs> Evan still gets it. He just shivered. He's so scary. Uh, also, it's true. Also, they reused it in A Knight's Tale, which and I just watched did. the other day. It's a great movie. It's a great movie too. Heath Ledger, man. It's funny. I was reading about the French Revolution and it, it was making me think about how... Um, Royalty kind of just never changes because I was, I think we talked about this before, but I was reading about how there was a disease, I believe it was France, but there was a disease going around the nobility because they only ate meat because vegetables mm. were considered peasant food. And so like they, like they were actually not very healthy at all because they were only eating this one type of food. So it kind of made me think of this where like if the king's just like, oh yeah, meat all the time is great. It's like, nah, you know, yeah, veggies, hmm. as much as I don't care for them. I'd, I'd choke them down. You got to eat them, right? You got you to eat healthy That's what I tell my kids bit. all the time. You got to eat things that don't taste good because they're good for you. Anyways, you can take that and use that one day. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, before we jump into our next two seconds sections, we want to take a quick moment to ask you to, hey, leave us a review. You know, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you give us five stars, it helps us out a ton. Yeah. If you listen on an app that doesn't allow for reviews, you can download Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Just give us five stars, and you can delete it right afterward. I won't, we won't say a word. We, that'll be yeah. that'll be our secret. Listening. Unless you put it in the podcast review and we read it out loud. That's true. Oh yeah, so. if you do write them out, we read them too. Because yeah. you know we're just that's the kind of guys we are. Well, here's and here's where we're at. I was look, looking at this uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, that we are currently sitting at sixty reviews on our podcast right now, which is rad. It was fun to get to sixty last year. Um, I would love to see us get to a hundred this year. Ooh, how rad would that be? So we're asking for 40 of you, dear listeners, if you've not left a review, a five-star rating or whatever, uh, or even comment a review, we would love for you to do that. Uh, because again, it's the algorithms. It's not about our egos, although it does make us feel good. Uh, it just grows the community. We want more people to continue engaging, listening to the Bible with us, especially in today's culture and world. So love for you to do that. All right. Let's talk about Acts. So like we said at the beginning, I don't, I'm not going to do a huge introduction to the book just because it's it's kind of the same introduction as Luke. So Luke writes the gospel. <laughs> yeah. He sends that to Theophilus and then either he writes them at the same time and he puts them in two volumes or he writes them one after the other, but there's really no reason to think that there's, there's not, there's probably not a large amount of time that has passed between the writing of Luke, the gospel of Luke and the writing of the acts of the apostles. Basically when I was a kid, people only said acts and all I could think of was like an ax that you would use to chop wood. <laughs> so, yeah, I know it was just like, and then when I realized the full title, I was like, Oh, the acts of the apostles, that makes sense. So this book is Basically, it's about the birth of the early church. Yeah. The very beginning of it kind of talks about the ministry of the original 12 disciples, along with uh, James, Jesus' brother. They go through that. And then we meet a little guy named Paul. Uh, well, Saul at first, but, you know, he has a... He's a big jerk. Yeah. he's he, Well, he's a big jerk, but he's also got a, he's got a big part to play. So no yes. spoilers, but, you know, next week we're going to be talking a yeah, little bit ready. more about what happens with this guy named Saul. That's called a teaser. 
Uh, but anyway, so we go through, it begins with Christ's ascension, which is kind of weird because you would think the gospel would end with Christ's ascension and then Acts would pick up after that happened. But I do like the idea of the very first note of Acts is Jesus leaving but also telling his apostles what's going to happen. And that's where we get in these verses. This is Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And no, spoilers. But what he said to them, and this is Jesus talking, It is not for you to know the time or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you to heaven, will come again in the same way as you saw him going into heaven. So there you go. Um, It's kind of like, I want to be really careful because the triune God, Yahweh, is the main character of the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, But you can think of it as in the Old Testament, we mostly hear about God the Father. In the Gospels, we mostly hear about God the Son or Jesus. And then in Acts, we mostly hear about the Holy Spirit. So again, that's not a perfect cut because they're all in each of the parts. But with Acts, we're really talking about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be able to do ministry specifically. It's it's almost like you have the the spotlight on God the Father and Christ and the Holy Spirit in different sections, but they all have a role to play and That's they all true. play a role throughout the entirety of scripture. But it's you have the spotlight, the focus, the primary role, if you will, is is direct to those individuals in those different sections of the Bible. That's so. a good way of putting it. Yeah. They're all on stage the whole time. Yes. But the spotlight moves. Yes. For those of you who like plays. There you go. Or, or, you know, if you want to say it's a solo, that's fine too, <laughs> with with some background music. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so that's the first note that we get. Uh, after this, we get a little side note where Matthias is chosen to replace Judas. And that's so, all we hear about him. Here's Yeah, you never hear anything more, but hey, you know what? <laughs> he's one be, of the 12 now. Yeah, like you get to heaven and he's like, yeah, I'm one of the 12. <laughs> like, Matthias. Je- Jesus, don't you remember me? Like, wasn't there another guy? Like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't count. We don't count Judas. That guy was, that guy was the worst. So anyway, Matthias gets chosen. <laughs> Feel bad for the guy who lost out because I think he's named, but we're not. I don't. Rem- I don't or? remember his name, so I don't remember either. I'm but not going to look it up. So, but he probably did way more for the kingdom than I'll ever do. So, you know, <laughs> that's no fair. worries. That's there. fair. Uh, anyway, after this, Pentecost takes place, and so Pentecost is the day where we kind of talk about the Holy Spirit essentially pouring it out onto the disciples. And then you get this crazy story where there's tongues of fire that appear over their heads. There's a mighty rushing wind. And then all the disciples begin to speak in languages that they don't actually know. So they leave, they go out into Jerusalem, and they're preaching the gospel in languages that they've never learned before. So really, really cool story. Uh, We get this powerful sermon by Peter specifically, Mm -hmm. where he kind of just gives a full a full gospel presentation, and then we're told that three thousand people joined the church on this day. So that's pretty. I mean, that's, yeah, that's right. That's a cool day. That's a pretty. That's a pretty cool deal. And it's kind of the Holy Spirit being like, "Look, let's do this thing." Well, and I think just, I mean, as a quick interjection, I think it's important, and I think I say this all the time, but don't just glance past some of this stuff. Like, even as you're reading the Book of Daniel and the prophetic literature, like, don't just gloss over it to get through so you can check the box in the reading plan. 
Like that's a significant moment yeah. in, in the life of the church. That's a significant moment in our history as Christians. And so I really want to encourage, like, slow down when you read scripture this year. If you do nothing else but slow down so you can let let those moments really come alive to you because it was very powerful and significant. Well, so. and I think too, like we have this weird, like English is kind of the the lingua franca of the world. So like in most countries- you lost that, me at lingua. Uh, it's the most commonly spoken language, I guess is the way to put Thank it. Or the, or the language I was asking that, for a friend. For a friend. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, it's, it's like anywhere you go, mm. it's a reasonable expectation, unless you're going really deep into a country that you'll be able to find someone who speaks English. Yeah. So we don't really have this concept of being as lost in a country, if that makes sense. There's still part, like, I remember we've been on like missions trips to Panama and it's really weird to like go into a Spanish speaking country and you realize like, oh, I don't know how to get around or do anything. But <laughs> yeah. imagine if you will. People traveling to Jerusalem, they have, I don't know a language, but you know, they're, they're, they know their own language. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of Jews who would speak Aramaic and Greek mm-hmm. come out of a room and then they start speaking to you in your specific language. Like, imagine if I like just imagine if you spoke, uh, I don't know, Hindi or something, and then you came into the US and all of a sudden, uh, just a standard American looking person comes out and starts telling you about Jesus. Yeah. In your language. Like that's a, that's a, uh, just imagine for it's mind with me for a moment what that would actually be like. So that's what's going on on yeah. the day of Pentecost. Uh, after this, we get another famous story where we meet, we meet a lame beggar. So, and when I say lame, he was probably a cool guy, but he couldn't walk. And so we get in chapter three, starting in verse one. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms for those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him and as did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement and for what had happened to him. So we get this kind of fulfillment, not the last fulfillment for sure, Acts is full yeah, of these, yeah. uh, but there, Jesus promises them. Like you are going to do these things that I am doing. And in the gospels, correct me if I'm wrong, all of the miracles are done by Jesus, right? I don't think any of the disciples, if they do, it's very small ones. I, don't I mean, remember. there's sections where Jesus sends them out and they right. come back reporting what all they've seen and done. But there's not an actual written account that says that Peter said this or prayed this and has immediately received right. sight. So the Jesus was the primary miracle worker. Right. For sure. Pri- yeah, for sure. Primary. Yeah. There, um, I can only think of one instance off the top of my head as far as when Jesus sends them out two by two and they come back reporting. Right. We cast demons out and we prayed for the sick and they were healed. And, you know, we we, we did this in faith and, and it, the, it was answered. And so um, there's also stark moments where people are, are the dad is upset that his disciples couldn't cast out a demon. And Jesus comes back from the transfiguration. He's like, you, you wicked generation. Right. Um, and not talking all about the disciples, but the whole idea of this only happens by prayer and fasting. That's, that's that passage. So, yep. but so that's the go. bulk of it. This next section of acts, I think if we were making the acts movie, it would basically be a montage where there's just like miracle you know, after miracle. Yeah. There's a bunch of miracles happening. The Holy spirit is empowering the disciples. 
um, just in different ways. Do you think Jesus would use like a suit coat? And I was, <laughs> there you go. Bad joke. Um, but yeah, so this happens. We get a little bit. We we go. It's kind of like it's all going good. Yeah. Like we talk about, we're we're reading about how. Um, the Christians are all caring for each other. They're each giving their money to the people who don't have enough. And they're t- they're, it's just a beautiful picture. Yeah. Um, and then we get this bummer story about Ananias and Sapphira where they sell some land. And it's they... a scary story. Yeah, it's, it's true. It, like, I get the bummer side, but dude, like, I, I, that makes me f- like, <laughs> I'm fearful of ever ha- crossing the Holy Spirit like like Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. Basically, they uh, they try to lie to the church about what they'd done and what they'd given. They and they sold... swear, like in essence, they swear before God, like, oh yeah, this is what we sold the property right. for. And it's like, no, like it wasn't. And then they, uh, and then, and then God kills them. So. And the thing that I love about that story, just to be honest, is the statement, I think it was made I don't know if it was Peter, John, or whoever, but it's, you could have sold it and kept the money you wanted to and reported, this is what I gave and right. be honest. And you would be fine. There's no judgment there. The, the sin was not that they didn't give all the money. The sin was that they lied about it. Yes. And th- th- that was, like, I think when I, when, when it clicked with me in that moment, it's like, man, like, God, you, you care that I'm obedient to what you ask me to give. And if I give generously and joy and cheerfully, like if I trust you and I give, it's not even just necessarily like money, but I'm like in the context of the story, man, it was, but it's not always like, it's okay to have some and keep some and use it to enjoy because it's the life I live. But Jesus was like, that was the thing is like, I lied about if I, if I lie about it, that's where I think there was hope for me is like, God, you care. <laughs> like, it's not about the monetary amount. It's about a willing heart right. and the cheerful heart. So I thought that was really, that's a great stark contrast too. But. And it kind of represents a tonal shift where again, if we're going like mm-hmm. happy that's good. montage and Ice and Sapphire kind of brings down the mood. And then we get to really this picture of the apostles are starting to experience persecution, um, which, you know, it's going to get worse as, yeah. as, uh, as we keep reading. And Stephen is martyred. So he's the, the first, first one. Yep. He's the first person killed uh, for preaching about Jesus. And there's a guy named Saul who was there. Um, Saul, was happy to start collecting the coats. He was all about it. And then in the next chapter, we read about how he just starts going on a persecution rampage. Yeah. Wasn't he, he was the, in essence, like the ranking leader in that mob, which is why people laid their coats at his feet. Correct. I haven't, I haven't done enough research into that. To I know thought that. that's what it meant. I th- when they lay, uh, maybe I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, you can call me out on this. But I, I, if I remember correctly, um, part of the symbolism of him, of people laying their coats at his feet, it was a symbol of, submission to authority as he was the ranking. He would be one of the ranking leaders in that group. Um, and in essence, it was, they lay it and he would approve of them doing the stoning, if that makes sense. So that's that's what launched him into this, this mission to hunt down Christians and put them in prison. Right. But lest you think our reading this week would end on a sour note. No, we get one more note yes. in Acts before we uh, before we leave you for this the next crazy week. story. I, it's one of those ones that doesn't get talked about quite enough, but it's called Philip and the Eunuch. So yeah. apparently today's a eunuch day because we were just talking about them with Daniel. But uh, Philip meets an Ethiopian eunuch. And there's something that's really significant about this because remember that for Pretty much the entire, I shouldn't say the entire, because in the story of the Old Testament, there are a, there is a specific chosen people of God. We know there's other people that worship God who aren't a part of Israel. Uh, for instance, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, is one of them. Uh, Job is one of them, people like that. Uh, the Edomites who were like, you know, not the worst. So yeah. uh, all, of, all of them. Um, but salvation and worshiping Yahweh had been primarily a Jewish thing. And now we're starting to really see this spread 
into the Gentile world. And Gentile just means non-Jew. Yeah. Um, we get it here with the story of Philip. And then there's another character who's going to really take the gospel into the Gentile world. But, you know, no spoilers. I mean, you probably wait know. for that one. Yeah, you probably know who it is. But just in case, if this is your first time reading Acts, you know, we want you to enjoy it. Get a little bit of suspense out of it. Um, so we get this story and we're just going to read it really quick and then we'll move on. But it says that in, in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated on his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So this would actually, this would be an example of a God fear, right? Someone who worships God, but was not a, not a Jew. Yeah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet and asked, do you understand what you were reading? And he said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him, for who can describe this generation? His life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And you can just imagine Philip being like, well, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at, I should have looked this up, Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all of the towns until he came to Caesarea. So... I just love this picture of like, like Philip just meets up with this guy. This guy just happens to be reading. I mean, I wouldn't say just happens because obviously this is a God moment. Uh, he's reading this passage. He's like, I need someone to explain this to me. And Philip was like, dude, you have no idea how much I can help right now. Tells him about Jesus. And then he baptizes him as he's coming back up out of the water. He's just gone. Like the, the eunuch realizes what has happened. He's rejoicing. And then I just imagine how crazy that would be to like be baptizing someone you bring them down, you bring them back up, and then all of a sudden you look around and you're in somewhere completely different. That's pretty cool. It'd be crazy. So, I love that story. Yeah, and that ends that ends kind of where we're going to end with Acts this week uh, as you're reading it. Uh, and then we're also going to be jumping in halfway through this week uh, because, again, the podcast drops on the 9th if you're reading up with us. Uh, we're going to jump into the book of Genesis. Uh, and I honestly think this is a book where a lot of us, whether we know uh, whether we're biblically, I say literate, meaning we know scripture and we know the Bible or, or, or we don't, Genesis is a book that many of us are very familiar with to begin with um, because it's about the creation. People talk about creation and where the earth had its origin and things like that. So whether you uh, are, have been in church most of your life or you haven't been in church most, most of your life, the creation account is probably something you would have heard or been familiar with in some way, shape or form or even referenced to. Uh, and that's what Genesis is. Genesis is the beginning. Uh, it's uh, the first of the the five books of the Pentateuch. Uh, Pentateuch is a, is a, I think it's a Hebrew. It's Greek. Is it Greek? Okay. Yeah. And it just means first, like five scrolls. So it's the first five scrolls of the Old Testament. It's the first five books of the Bible uh, written by Moses to tell the creation uh, and the start of the universe as we know it. Um, and you just see, I mean, it's a quick outline that we're going to hit this week. You're going to see the creation account where God spoke into things into being. They didn't exist before God spoke them and God spoke them. 
I, I love though someone described it as uh, God commanded them to exist and they obeyed, which I think is a cool way. That's to say a it. rad way to say it because it's true. Uh, of all, anyways, that's the difference I know. So, but the whole idea of creation, we see God create in seven days. Six days He created, the seventh day He rested. He saw that it was good. Uh, we see Him create Adam and Eve in this spell as well, and it's the one thing where God creates Adam. And then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. So he creates all of creation and he gets to Adam. He gets to man. Everything is good except Adam being alone. So then he, he puts Adam to sleep, creates a, takes a rib from him, creates woman. Uh, and then we see Adam and Eve. Then we see the fall of man, which is probably for me, one of the most pivotal parts of all of scripture um, because everything is good and perfect and sin enters the world through the deception of the serpent. And so I just want to read this. This is where, this is after Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God. God set a standard uh, of what to eat, what fruit to eat, of which tree in the Garden of Eden. They break that because they were deceived into doubting God's sovereignty and God's will and way. Uh, And then it says this in verses 8 through 11. I think this is, I I put in bold here, like this is where redemption begins. Uh, This is where the story of redemption, that the the redemptive narrative throughout the entirety of the Bible, it starts here. Uh, It says this in Genesis 3 verses 8 through 11, it says, "Then then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Then he asked, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I'd commanded you not to eat from? And I say this is where redemption begins because in man's moment of disobedience, God still shows up. In the worst of situations and the worst of moments, like God still shows up. He he walks into the cool of the day. He positions himself where Adam and Eve were. They hid out of shame, but his grace and his presence and his desire to redeem his creation starts there in that moment where he still goes to them. Uh, and so I just think it's important. I think it's a powerful piece of the whole creation narrative uh, that leads us into the entirety of scripture. Uh, we see Cain and Abel come out of this conversation where Adam and Eve have children, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Spoiler, uh, God gives Adam and Eve, another son named Seth, to redeem Abel's loss. And uh, we had the first first martyr first, and first yep. murder. Yep. Wow, that's, this is a big week for... <laughs> it's a big week for Bible reading. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, geez. Um, we get this section of lineage from Adam to Noah, which then brings us to the flood, and then what happens after the flood. And it really is just, it's, it's the start of the world and what God created, he intended, and what sin caused. And the deterioration, which only reinforces God's desire to redeem humanity. Uh, and so that's where we get at the end of this week is this, this, this launch into creation and redemption. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week, this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. Yes. Hope you all are enjoying it and hope you'll take this journey with us. We're yeah. reading through the Bible and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, just as a quick rack up, rack up, as rack a quick up. wrap up, uh, a few of the resources that we use today, if you're wanting to dive a little bit deeper, uh, as always, the ESV Study Bible, and then we have Encountering the Old Testament by Bill Arnold and Brian Baer, uh, The Essence of the New Testament, a survey by Elmer Towns and Ben Gutierrez, The New Testament in Its World. Uh, by N.T. Wright and Michael F. Bird. So those are the main resources we've been leaning on. They're kind of staples of the podcast, but yeah, if you ever want to dive deeper, we highly recommend all of those. Uh, And then finally, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to consider 
uh, financially supporting the ministry that we do as the Grove Church. You can do that on our website, grove.church. There's a give link in the upper right-hand corner. You can also find all of our other resources. We're not the only one. We have uh, a bunch of stuff that you can read, as well as past messages and an archive of that. All of that's available on our website, grove.church. But have a great day. Happy New Year. See you next week. Woo!